0: Our scripture reading today is from 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 17 through 34, and our sermon title is The Lord's Supper. This is the Lord's Word. But in the following instructions, I do not commend you, because when you come together, it is not for the better, but for the worse. For in the first place, when you come together as a church, I hear that there are divisions among you, and I believe it in part. About the other things, I will give direction when I come. May the Lord bless us in the reading of his word. Welcome everyone once again. Hello? (laughs) I know that it's a nice rainy day out there, but I praise God for what the Lord is doing. I praise God for bringing you all here together to worship the Lord. I want you to look around you. These are people that the Lord has made in his image. These are people that because of the fall are people who suffer, people who sin, people who are looking for meaning, looking for answers. In the same way, there are people here who need the love of Jesus and to see even more clearly the grace that is theirs. For some of you, you may be here going, you know, I'm just here to listen, and I thank you for coming. And I pray that as you listen, that you'll hear that God is for you, not against you. That the Lord wants you to draw near. He's not here to push you away. For those of you who are struggling with your faith right now, you've, you, you know who Christ is, and this might be some of our members here as well, as well as some of our guests. I want to encourage you that the Lord's love for you is perfect and sovereign. I always rejoice when I see people who've confessed the name of the Lord and have experienced and tasted His goodness. And I pray for them constantly, thinking and knowing, you know, if the Lord allows them to taste Him once, and perhaps they're Still trying to figure out what's going on in their heart. But if the Lord allows them to taste them once, surely that sovereign God will bring them back to him. That is the God that we have. Our God does not play with people's hearts like a man might play with a woman's heart. Our God does not give a simple taste just so that he can withhold it from you. But our God gives himself wholly to his people. And so welcome here, all of you. We are here as broken people in need of a Savior. And I pray that as we encounter our Lord Jesus together, the Spirit would encourage you in him. In our passage today, Paul is once addressing the church in Corinth. And if you remember, the church in Corinth is not your ideal church. In fact, if many of you were to go visit the church of Corinth, the first thing you would do is you would leave the church of Corinth. You would see that when you came in, there were divisions and factions. People were sitting in different places, and no one was talking with one another. You would see that the sexual immorality in the church was just all over the place, and and it was evident to all what was happening in the church. And yes, there were people who still would confess the name of the Lord Jesus, but their lives reflected nothing of it. And lastly, there was no love amongst them, for people sought to use religion for their own gain, instead of having experienced the love of God, to die to self and to serve others in the gospel. This is the church that Paul is addressing. And this is the church that many of us, if we walked in, we would leave right away. But there's something amazing about Paul and amazing about God Paul knows that it's in the midst of a church like this, that God's grace and God's gospel can shine forth even more. He says here in this chapter, listen, I've heard that when you gather together to come to church, that there are divisions among you. And I believe that in part. And in verse 19, he says listen, there has to be factions among you in order that what? In order that those who do know Jesus may be recognized. And this is something that all of you, whether you're a visitor here or where you've been in this church for a long time, that as you grow in your faith, you realize that even in a church like this, there are those people in our church who are doing, by God's grace, doing well. These are the people where you tap them on the shoulder and you say, Jesus loves you, and they start crying and they start falling because the grace of God is so deep in their hearts. And then there are other people in our church who are just trying to figure things out. Who is this Jesus? Why is this person crying? And even within the church of Christ, there is a grace when there is conflict. There is a grace when, there, when the, 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 the rate of growth between different people and peoples, because we recognize God's hand when he does grow us. And then we pray earnestly, as, as Paul does. Those who are not following in line with the Lord. What this church was doing was interesting. They would come to church early, it, it appears. And they would come and they would just eat. Can you imagine that? You come into the church and the first thing you do is eat. <coughs> Excuse me. <coughs> <coughs> but as they would eat there were people who were eating just to gorge themselves and then there would be people eating while their brothers were, were going hungry and what it looked like is what was happening within in the pagan tradition remember in, in the pagan tradition they would go to the temples to offer up food but it's also not, a place, not simply a place to offer up food, but there was a market there. So the food that was sacrificed there, the, the people would just sell it. It's like go to the temple and you sacrifice something. Hey, next door, there's a nice little cafe. Let's go and have some pork sandwiches and just enjoy our fellowship together. And so Paul's anger was the fact that God's people was treating the church in such a way There was something special and unique about the Lord's Supper that is different from eating the sacrifices that were offered up to idols. And Paul wanted to make sure that everyone understood the sacrament that they were about to celebrate. Jesus Christ himself instituted the sacrament to his disciples. His goal was to show his disciples and all the people who would believe in the future that in partaking of this, that they would remind themselves that they were united with Christ in his death. That the body and the blood of Christ that was sacrificed on behalf of our sins is real today for us, for we are still forgiven. And for us to remember that when we partake of it, we partake of it as a community, to recognize that we eat of it together as brothers and sisters. Recognizing that this church is built on Jesus' blood and nothing else. So he goes on in verse 23 and on to talk more specifically about what it means to take communion. He says, first and foremost, that the drink and the bread. The bread and the cup, once again, represent his body and the blood. That these two things represent his shedding and his sacrifice for his people. Now, we believe here in this tradition and that what scripture is teaching is not that the body, or sorry, the bread and the cup actually become the body in the blood of Jesus. The Catholic Church believes that when they do communion, they call it the Eucharist, that the bread actually turns into the body of Jesus. And then the cup actually turns into the blood of Jesus. They they say, yes, the, the form itself on the outside looks like bread and wine but the substance on the inside actually becomes the body of Jesus and the blood of Jesus. We know in history that this is why the Reformation happened. The Reformation happened not simply because we believe that all we need to do is believe in Jesus Christ as our savior and that we are saved for all of eternity. But in a very pragmatic sense, the Catholic Church had all the power over their people. Because the Catholic Church believes that in order for you to be saved, you need to take communion over and over and over and over again. For that day when you're baptized in the Catholic Church is the day that all your sins have been forgiven from before to the day you're baptized. But from the time you're baptized on, you keep sinning, Who's going to forgive you of those sins? Well, the Catholic Church believes that, well, you need to first go to to confessional. Confess your sins. But to be forgiven, you need to take the body, the actual body, the actual blood of Christ. Because Jesus' body and Jesus' blood need to be sacrificed all over again for you to be saved. And so it goes on and on and on and on. You take, you take the Eucharist that one day and then you've sinned more and then you've got to go through the whole sequence again. And so in the Catholic Church, the whole idea was that you had God, the church that mediates the graces of God and the people. But that's not the way God intended it to be. This is not actually the body of Jesus And the blood of Jesus. These are symbols of a greater reality that Jesus died for you once and for all. That at that moment, the Holy Spirit comes in you, awakens your heart to see oh my goodness, I do know Jesus. Oh my goodness. Jesus is my Savior. That from that moment on, all your sins from the past, present, and the future have been taken care of by the blood of Christ. That we do not walk in fear, thinking, man, if I commit more and more sins, will Jesus forgive me? No, Jesus forgives all things. But we walk with confidence, with love, with humility. For we see up in heaven, we have been forgiven perfectly. And our motivation is no longer to please the God for our salvation, but our motivation is to show our love for him. By loving him and by loving others. (coughs) What we do here when we take of the cup and we take of the wine is we remember that one day in history that covers all of history. And the blessing comes not in the elements by themselves, but in the Holy Spirit that lives in us, that reminds us that we are united with Jesus through these elements. And we remember that we're saved and saved by grace and grace alone. But there's a warning here as well. And this is why we here at Presby- in Presbyterian circles and the PCA, and we do this in our church as well. There's a warning of, of not taking this cup and this bread in an unworthy manner. I think oftentimes we think of, when we, if you grew up in some churches, you you go and they say, hey, here's some wine, here's some bread, communion, here, just, just take it. You're supposed to take it because, well, that's just what we do at church. But that's not what the Bible teaches. And there's a reason for it. Okay, it says here, um, verse, uh, verse 27, therefore, eat Whoever therefore eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty concerning the body and the blood of the Lord, right? Verse 28, let a person examine himself then and so eat of the bread and drink of the cup. Verse 29, for anyone who eats and drinks without discerning the body eats and drinks judgment on himself. And then verse 30, that is why many of you are weak and ill and some have died. This church in Corinth, remember, is a church in turmoil and chaos. And yet in the midst of this church, there are people who are clinging to the Lord by the Lord's grace and grace alone. One of the greatest things about taking communion at our church is that it is an opportunity to really examine yourself. do I believe that Jesus is my Savior? Do I believe? Have I lived in such a way that honors that calling that he has given me? Are you faithful to him? Are you faithful in saying, Lord, I'm sorry, I repent, help me. God wants you to take of this when your conscience is clear, not perfect, but clear. And by your conscience, you could say, I'm still a sinner, but I trust in you, Jesus. Come. What's the opportunity? If you look at your conscience and you say, you know what, I'm just... I just don't know who God is right now. I'm I'm just searching right now. You know, I've grown up church all my life. I just don't know right now. And let me tell you that it's not a bad place to be. For when you can recognize that you do not know Jesus yet, that's when you can actually start searching for Jesus and find him. And that's why for those of you who, who, who've examined their hearts and say, you know, I, I trust in Jesus. Welcome. Take it, take it. Be blessed. But for those of you who are still searching, Don't look look at this and say, well, if I take it, it's going to change my faith. It's not going to change your faith. If I take it, God's going to speak to me miraculously. That's not the way it works. The blessing comes when a believer trusts in Jesus and takes it. Otherwise, if if you are still skeptical about your faith and skeptical about your relationship with the Lord, if you take it, You make something that's sacred into something that's just profane. And what we're waiting for is for all of us. One day, this will happen when the Lord returns. But for you as individuals, when you do come and say, you know what? Jesus is who I love. This church is a church that I love. And when you take it, it's not a piece of bread anymore. It's not a cup of wine anymore. It's the body and blood of Christ. And that's what makes it special. Let me give you an analogy. If you're married, you should have a ring. I don't have a ring, but anyway, but you should have a ring. (coughs) If you're married, you should have a ring. That ring is a token or a sign of a real reality. You're married. You say sorry to your spouse all the time. You say I love you to your spouse all the time. You go through hard times and good times all the time. But in the end, you know that this is my wife, this is my husband. Now, if you're not married and you're wearing a wedding ring, that's kind of odd. Why are you wearing a wedding ring if you have no relationship with anyone? It, it makes no sense. It's the same thing here. I don't want you to wear a wedding ring. I don't want you to take this. If, if you're not ready, it's okay. Wait till you see the real Christ, that you may partake of this with joy together. There's one special um, charge, if I can put it that way, to God's people about what it means to examine yourself, and that is this, don't let your brother go hungry. Let me say that again. Don't let your brother go hungry. The context of this is that people were abusing food one way or another. And part of what we understand is that you're actually not supposed to take communion if you're hungry. You, this is supposed to be a spiritual blessing. If you're really hungry, that's okay. Just repent right now and then come and get it. But for the most part, if we don't love our brothers and sisters... In a way that's pragmatic and practical. Here's some food. You're hungry? Hey, I'll feed you. You need a ride? Here, here's a ride. You need help with uh, X, Y, and Z? Here, let me, let me, let me, let me come down and help you with X, Y, and Z. But there's an aspect of communion. That's not merely me and God. But there are aspects of communion where it's the love of the church with one another. That's why here at this church, we have membership. It's a confession to one another that you're my brother, you're my sister. And yes, we don't do it perfectly. We're still trying. But we strive to say, how can we help your brother? How can we help your sister? For in so doing, when we take communion, we take it together and we solidify the bond that we have in Christ with one another. Brothers and sisters, those of you who know the Lord Jesus Christ and are a member of this church, you are welcome to this table. For those of you who are believers in Jesus and are a member of a church in good standing, in other words, you can say to me, you can say to yourself, I'm just here visiting. I have this church back in St. Louis. It's my, it's, it's my church. It's where my prayers are. It's where my resources are. It's where my heart is. I'm here visiting. Welcome to the table. Welcome to the table. For those of you who are just here visiting and just trying to figure out who Jesus is, I say to you, don't worry about this. Find Jesus. I had the privilege of going to the High Museum to see um, um, the Infinite Mirror um, exhibit. You know, it's just really, it's really famous, and uh, just privileged to go there with my wife. And I love artists. I really love artists because I believe artists one of the few people who are brave enough to look at this world to see its madness to see its brokenness to see its meaninglessness and stare it in the face most of us when we see that meaninglessness that brokenness that madness just turn on Netflix <laughs> get something to eat you just entertain yourself you find something else to to distract you and even uh, Kusuma I think that's her name she was saying no I I look at the infinite and it helps me to feel like I found meaning in my life and we celebrate that of of human beings finding meaning. We celebrate even silly things, like when you watch um, um, Tom Hanks in Castaway. He knows he's going to go mad, so what does he do? He finds a volleyball and says, you're going to be my friend. You're Wilson. And we celebrate that because even in the midst of madness, the human being tries to find sanity. Artists seek to find meaning in meaninglessness, order in chaos. Sanity in madness. For those of you here who are looking for a reason to, to live in a way out of the circle of this life, Christ has the answer to all of that. God put eternity in your hearts in order for you to see that God is the only one who can fill it. God has shown you the meaninglessness of all the things that are around you in order for you to show you the only thing that's meaningful is to know why you were made and for whom. And lastly, God has enabled you to see order out of chaos. For God wants to show you that the chaos of sin and suffering, that no matter how much we as humans try to manage it and answer it, that the ultimate judge, the ultimate one who will fix all of this and redeem all of this is God himself. So today, let us meet our Savior and rejoice in Him. Pray with me. (coughs) Lord, we thank You for this time that You've given us. And we ask of You, Lord, to bless us, Your people. And Lord, as we partake in Holy Communion today, may we do so in a way that honors You. And may we be blessed May we be blessed through it by you. Sustain your church, Lord God, through the truths of the gospel. Sustain your church, O God, through the body and the blood of Christ. And may, Lord, we be witnesses to ourselves and to this world that our Lord Jesus is alive, that he is moving, that he is ministering and giving hope to all. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.